It's just another podcast. It's just called Picking It Out. It's another podcast, y'all. It's just called Picking It Out. Got my buddy, the WWE Hall of Famer, and the one and only Mick Foley in the house. Yeah, and we're gonna be picking it out. Well, hey, y'all. All right, you know the routine. Throw my shoulder out to put that guitar down, but y'all like that for some reason, so appreciate you tuning in uh, once again, everybody, to Picking It Out. Been having a lot of fun doing this, talking to a lot of friends of mine. Um, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, really, really happy today, y'all, to finally have my my good friend and uh, man... Hardcore legend, WWE Hall of Famer, WWE legend. Uh, he's wrestled in every professional wrestling organization that you could think of, except for AEW. <laughs> That's the best way to say that, I guess. Uh, and just one of the one of the kindest hearts and biggest hearts and good people that I've had the pleasure of getting to know. We got Mick Foley here with us. Yes, sir. How you doing, Andrew? Doing good, man. Where, where are you Don't at? Throw you. I'm. Um, I just got a great twelve hour sleep in today. Oh, and it's man. one of those days where you're overtired because you finally got so much rest. And, and you get those days, and then some of those days it's like you sleep so much coming off the road that you either you're great or you don't feel like you slept a wink that's it and uh you know i'm i'm on the road never a day off before i do the uh, fanboy convention in knoxville but uh uh the sleep is like my uh, achilles tendons like my achilles heel like i can't sleep that's been an ongoing issue for 40 years for me so uh, i just I'm not, I, my oldest son, he hits the bed and he's like Yukon Cornelius in the uh, Rudolph claymation closet. <laughs> he starts snoring within a second or two of hitting his bed, his head hitting the bed. Me, man, I'm a for hours every night. Yeah. I've usually got to be really like exhausted. I'm, I'm a night thinker and a, Me too. you know, it's just like, I don't know. I, I've talked about that with people before. It's like the creative juices are flowing like crazy yeah. in the middle of the night at two thirty in the morning. I don't get it. That's where I did so much of my own writing, uh, uh books. And, uh, I didn't write my own pro. I mean, when I said I didn't write them. I didn't write them down. Uh, most of the good promos that I thought of though, that I kind of saw my way through and felt my way through, uh, would have come in the two thirty to five a.m. hours probably as well. Totally can see that. 
I don't know what it is. It's it's like your brain don't shut off. You know, that's how I feel. It's quiet out there. If you're on the highway, you might go a few minutes before seeing another car. It's oh, yeah. uh, totally opposite uh, uh, interaction than when you're out there, as I was yesterday, trying to get into Knoxville. A lot of traffic and finding ways to avoid traffic. When you're on the road and it's 2, 2.30 a.m., it's just you in the night, stars in the sky. Yeah, that's a, that's a great time to get your work done. It is. It is. Well, I ain't seen you since Waffle House, so how you been? Man, I'm doing pretty good. I'm back out on the road. Like I said, I think you saw me maybe my last show or second to last. It was COVID. Yeah, it was right in there. It was announcing itself. And uh, man, that was an unusual club because you don't want strobe lights. (laughs) <laughs> when you're on <laughs> I remember. It's like I'm doing a big rock spectacular up there anyway. You know, I'm stories yeah. and I need to, you know, I need people to be able to focus and they got the strobe lights going. I was like, listen, man, uh, can we just turn these lights off? So they, they, I couldn't get rid of the colors, but uh, it wasn't your optimal situation. And that was one of the, you know, I, I'm not often in the clubs where the smoking is still allowed. But it, it's different. You come in and you know, back in the days, you know, and I know because I used to work the door at a few clubs and even work behind the bar on, on slow nights. Everyone smelled like smoke. So no one noticed that everyone smelled like smoke. But now that there is a differentiation and uh, you know, 99.9% of places you go in are smoke free. Brother, when you hit one of those old time places, uh, it announces itself in a hurry. It does. You know, I, it, it's, it bothers me really bad. My nose will run and I get headaches and everything. But the funny thing is, it's like what you just said. I grew up in a household. I mean, secondhand smoke, like thick in the house, not just a little bit. And now, man, I, I can't. I cannot play and I cannot sing in a bar in any place where there's smoke rolling all around. I can't do it. <laughs> well, you know what, Andrew? I just thought of something after seeing a movie. I'm trying to think of the name of the movie. Oh, it's called My Idiot Brother. Our Idiot Brother. Paul Rudd plays a great role. He's funny. But he, uh, it's a really good role. He's such a sweethearted guy that his sweetness and innocence gets him into trouble everywhere he goes. But he doesn't have <laughs> a hint of bad intentions. It's a really, it's a really cool, it's a really, really cool movie. But in the movie. Uh, oh, Chloe uh, Deschanel. Uh, she plays a young lady who's trying to get her foot in the uh, in the comedy door. And as soon as she's up on stage in this tiny little venue, I was like, "That's Ray's Candy Store in Brooklyn." And I, I mean, I, I should probably have looked at the credits, and I'll probably try to look it up just to make sure. But as soon as I saw, it, I was like, "There's no place like Ray's Candy Store," and I know Ray's Candy Store through my friendship with Nora Jones and her, uh, uh, and her bandmates, uh, Sasha Dobson and Catherine Popper. And here's the drawback to the non-smoking is there are times if a, an area is not properly like augmented mm-hmm. when a place like Ray's candy store will stand out in my mind, primarily for the fart smell. <laughs> and so when I was there, I'm watching Nora, who sold 37 million albums, 
and Sasha and uh, Catherine, they sound like a choir of angels together, but they're, they're playing, they're playing publicly, but with a fictitious name just so they can get their jamming in. So that when they go out on the road and do their beautiful songs, they sound right. And there's all these incredible melodies and harmonies. And all I can think of is, I smell like farts in here. So <laughs> <laughs> What a good money for the company to light up a cigarette at that point. So, uh, yeah, Ray's yeah. Candy Store. Yeah, if you're in Brooklyn and you want to stop by, you can either uh, agree or disagree with my assertion that it smells like farts. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and, man, you know, Nora Jones is, my God, what a talent. What a voice. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, it reminds me of, uh, I, t- I take everything back to wrestling because Nora Jones has this incredible voice. But uh, on Saturday night, I watched Brandy Carlisle on Saturday Night Live. Whoa. Amazing. Like, that's one of the most powerful voices I've ever heard. It just, it's not to say Nora is not doing it right because she's amazing. And if you handed, uh, if you handed the other young lady, um, the Norris catalog, she probably couldn't do it right in that. So it's all about, uh, I just said that young lady, how could I draw a blank on someone whose name I brought up to the, uh, <laughs> brought into the conversation. Brandy Carlisle. Yeah. Brandy Carlisle. That's it. Yeah. Brought up her name and I forgot it. So there's no one right way to do it. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, Tom Petty was asked when, uh, he had Simon Cowell on as a guest on one of the late night shows years and years ago. Hey, what do you think of these? What do you think of America's Got Talent? Not America's Got Talent. Um, American, uh, American, uh, American Idol. Oh, we love it. The band and I love it. Uh, they're all so bad. And it's like, whoa, you see the host kind of perk up. And he's like, we'd never make it on this kind of show. And I thought to myself, what if Johnny Cash came on and sang Hurt? They'd be uh, Chuck Barris would go back in time and get his gong out on him, right? Like they would say, it's the worst thing we've ever heard, but it's magical. You know, if you don't put confines on uh, what someone should be doing or could be doing. And again, I think that translates to wrestling because there's no uh, textbook guy or woman, you know, there's no set moves that you have to be able to do. Everyone kind of approaches it with their own style and, uh, like I think like music, a lot of it kind of it falls into the pretty good category where you neither remember it for being great or for being bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing people tend to remember are the things that were either train wrecks or just wonderful. Uh, but a lot of different people try in a lot of different ways to uh, reach an audience. And I think that uh, that's what makes uh, the, the businesses interesting. That's a very good point. And it is related you know, any kind of uh, acting, uh, stand-up, wrestling, music, uh, it's it's all kind of, uh, it all kind of ties together. Yeah. And, and I think it's interesting, you know, people come from different worlds. You're from the wrestling world. I'm in the music world. But it's kind of like we kind of we kind of know maybe when somebody else wouldn't know what we're talking about. <laughs> we know. Yeah, we do. Hey, hey, can I drop a name here that you're likely to know? Always. I I know she's good friends with Shooter. Uh, Elizabeth Cook came to my event in Nashville a couple nights ago. Oh, yeah. And Elizabeth is amazing. 
Uh, I guess, you know, you could say in comedy, in music and wrestling, that sometimes uh, the best, the, the fleet don't always win the race. You know, sure. I, I have a bunch of channels uh, pre, pre-scheduled on my Series XM. And the more popular country stations, I can listen to two or three songs mm-hmm. before they start sounding very similar. And then I usually find my groove, which is a combination of Willie's Roadhouse and uh, Outlaw Country. I might go back to the uh, country from 20 years ago, then go searching on the other end for, uh, you know, uh, what do they call you know, the vinyl and the classic, the re- classic rewind and things like that, the deep cuts. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, I do, I do tend to get tired of the stuff that I'm told I should be liking, especially at my age when you're 56. And not every song has to be about a hot girl and a party on a field. And a tailgate. Can't forget yeah, that. Cold one in the console. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people, I'm sure you've probably talked about it before, but I don't, I don't, I don't know that you have. I don't even know that me and you talked about it, but I know a lot of people has got to be interested. Like where did your love for music, especially that kind <laughs> of country music come in? Yeah, I did Elizabeth's uh, fishing show. She has that great fishing show she does on the Circle Network. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was the only non-musician who had done it. And then Kyle Petty got in there after me. So you can't really complain if your competition is Kyle Petty. Uh, but she said the same thing. She was really impressed by my love of music. And particularly country music was what I grew up on, even though I was a Long Island guy. My dad had heard uh, country music in uh, the army when he was in Germany. Uh, It's funny how in different parts of the world, there are people who are still big, you know, like a Skeeter Davis in Nigeria. Go figure, right? Don Williams, at least as of 30 years ago, they were playing Don Williams in Nigeria. Mm. And then there are some other guys like the sugar man who we've never heard of, but is like, uh, he's a legend in some parts of West Africa. So uh, for me, it was just growing up with some of these great storytelling uh, songs. Uh, Love Dolly Parton, love Tom T. Hall, loved uh, uh, Waylon and all the the outlaw people. I mean, I was 10 years old when I bought uh, the Outlaws album. I didn't know that anything about uh, any, you know, upsetting music row and playing with your own musicians as opposed to... uh, uh, you know, great, uh, uh, what do we call it? session musicians? Yeah. I just knew what I liked and I knew what sounded real to me. And uh, the sort of stories uh, that Dolly sang, you know, they still resonate even a decade, 40 years later when they become big songs and standard songs. Every time I hear the, uh, you know, the words back through the years, I go wondering once again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it brings me back to my youth when I hear that stuff. Yeah, there's something about it. It's like home. No matter where you live, it's like home for some for yeah. some reason. You know, you know Dolly. I mean, how can you not respect Dolly Parton? You know, she had a chance to get a song recorded by Elvis. Did you and know? She didn't you knew about that? Yeah, yeah. I read uh, they wanted the uh, Colonel Parker wanted half the publishing for "I Will yeah. Always Love You." You said nope. Exactly strong woman yeah i've always wanted to meet her 
And now that I'm up in the Knoxville area, you know, if Dolly, if you're listening and you're over there in Sevierville by Dollywood, <laughs> I will come to you. Uh, I highly doubt she's listening. <laughs> That's just throwing a guess out there, but <laughs> maybe she is. Oh, I always ask people who've worked with her, uh, what was she like? Because I know at this point I'm not going to get that negative. I'm only going to get things that fulfill my my hopes. So uh, one of the guys that worked with her on the, the Hallmark show, uh, what was she like? What was she like? And he goes, oh, everything you'd expect and more. So I find it hard. I was just asked about this. Uh, I did a podcast a few days ago. As I've got a reputation of being really good with the fans. And uh, are you always that good? I was like, well, the secret is like to find out when you need your alone time and then make sure there are not people around when you're having that alone time. So for me, the weak spot would be after a show, like checking into a hotel because I've let all my defenses down and now I'm not the guy from TV. I'm just that overweight guy with bad need of a, a good bed. You know, and a good night's sleep. And so I said, well, that's why I wouldn't, I don't stay at the TV hotel, even though, even if it's free and it's assigned to me, I'm like, I'll go 15 minutes away with a little place that I could drive up to because I don't want fans to see me when I'm cranky. You know, we all get that way. And I'm sure Dolly has handlers who make sure the public doesn't see her that way. You know, there's no way you build a body like the rocks unless you have some time carved out for yourself, you know, but he makes sure that when he's in the public eye, he's uh, 100% invested in being there. Yeah, he does. He He's really good with all that. He's, yeah. I've never met him. We actually, we've talked before on uh, Twitter because he's a big I, Haggard fan. Yeah. That was, yeah, people don't know that, uh, he is a uh, rock grew up as a big country music fan. The same way it seems odd. Well, I, I learned my dad who picked it up in uh, Germany for rock. I'm guessing it was dad traveling around the country. He's got his, you know, he wrestled for WWF uh, for many years, wrestling the regional country uh, companies, and he could have gravitated towards any music. Uh, so when he was uh, beating me from pillar to post in a match that I eventually won, uh, the SummerSlam falls count anywhere uh, in the empty building. You know, while The Rock was punishing me and he saw, he would pick up whatever was around and ad-lib a line. So the line he ad-lib, he saw a bottle of Jack Daniels, took a swig and sang Jack Daniels, if you please, knock me to my knees. So he not only was listening to Merle, he was listening to David Allen Coe, I know that uh, Jim Croce's not a uh, country, but was such a phenomenal singer and songwriter. And uh, he was, yeah, he grew up with a real uh, love for country music and, uh, and songwriting. You know, uh, I'm sure people would wonder too, is there anybody that you haven't wrestled in your whole career, <laughs> well, your whole well, career? I've been out of it for 21 years full time. And even though I made you know, 10 comebacks in the last 20 years, you know, maybe I only wrestled 25 matches since hanging up. So there's a lot of people from that new generation, the new generation. I haven't wrestled anybody from my generation. I just, I wish I'd wrestled Hogan just to say I'd done it. And even when we, when we had the chance 10 years ago 
even given Hulk's back problems and my my multiple problems, we could have had a pretty good match. You know, uh, we could have told a story, as we say in uh, wrestling. Uh, it would have been probably uh, slower. You know, it would have uh, we would have leaned heavily on the storytelling, but it would have been pretty good. Oh yeah, but y'all would have y'all would have burned it down, man. You know, a lot of people wanted to. That's like uh, staying in undertaker that's ever you know all the fans dream match yeah 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 and that you know they'll catch a shot of them in the airport or something together it's like people are like obsessed with sting and the undertaker oh they want to see that match uh might be one now at their collective ages though better left to the imagination yeah that's what i was going to say it's one of those things that probably is just like okay it's going to be better in your mind like you picture it you know, yeah. Than than doing going through with something like this at this point. Well, the, now the uh, the uh, option for men or women of advanced age is to do a cinematic match. <laughs> so, in a way, that's what The Rock and I did during halftime heat. You know, we filmed a bunch of things. They edited it together and aired it during the middle of. Uh, uh, Super Bowl, but everything we were doing hurt like heck. You know, it's I guess in a cinematic match, if you see it, you're like, all right, we're basically shooting this like a movie. Uh, then we don't have to do some of the things that we do need to do to uh, make the moves look good, which is essentially make them real, you know, as far as the gravity and the landing. Uh, we don't drop people on our heads in wrestling or hit each other in the nose or the teeth, but uh, we bring it with uh, quite a bit of enthusiasm. Otherwise, I'd say. Oh yeah, it's it, for me. It's always been about really the story and the character. Uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up during that time, like you did. You know, I mean, it was different eras, but it was still it was great wrestling. It was just it was it was it was very character driven. Oh yeah, yeah, and the characters would change depending on what part of the country you were growing up in. So, you know, there were some angles done, you know, and, you know, in the South in the seventies that wouldn't, wouldn't hold up well today. Uh, that even some of the, it didn't matter what part of the country you're in, even some of the stuff guys would do to get heat would not be acceptable today. It's a lot, it's a lot more difficult for a bad guy because, um, it's, it's crazy because you don't – well, you do get people up in arms over violence in movies, but they don't tend to blame the actor. Uh, but we still we still get some people who, you know, if you're looking to be in a, in a field of work where you don't offend anybody at any time, anywhere, pro wrestling is not, really not the place to be, you know. But in some ways, we try to make it homogenized for everyone. And I think that hurts the product product. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's still, I mean, have you, have you watched AEW? I do watch it. Uh, I was going to watch last night, but I saw that the finals of the uh, professional fighters league were on with the $6 million matches, uh, championships and Lillian Garcia is the ring announcer. So I did not watch it last night, but I do watch, I watch a couple times a month. Man, speaking of Lillian, we're jumping all around here, but that's that's our ADD brains, you know. Anybody that don't know that by now, you, you go look it up. <laughs> um, 
Lillian Garcia reminded me. I watched that thing on the network about the first live sporting event or live event, I think, period, after 9-11. Yeah. Man, that was good. It was short. It could have been longer, but, man, that, that was really she good. Did an anthem with everything she had. Yeah, people will never forget that. We took a lot of pride. I wasn't, uh, you know, actively with the company when that happened. So I wasn't there, but I know they took a lot of pride in being there for the uh, the public. I was at, I was at the first baseball game played in New York. Um, real dramatic. Mike Piazza hit a home run to win it, but I was sitting out there in the outfield with the uh, uh, police and uh, first responders, fire officer, firemen, um, and women, and uh, it, was, it was a great experience to be part of that. And so it was really so important for us to let people know we were out there, you know, whether it was baseball or whether it was wrestling and, uh, you know, for all the legitimate criticism that WWF faces from time to time, and no one can say they didn't care, you know, whether it was um, post 9-11 or during the pandemic, they found a way to be on that TV every single week. And that was really invaluable for people. Yeah, people look forward to it. You know, I was the Monday Night Wars kid. I mean, I was, I would not, and I was WCW man until. Yeah. Well, did you, you at won, least switch over the Foley matches when I was on? Oh yeah, that's why I was going to say. After you won the world title, I, I started channel flipping, but I did oh. not watch Raw. Stone Cold didn't get me nothing, but that that got me. It was something intriguing about mankind. You know. I appreciate that. Plus. WCW started, uh, they kind of jumped the shark by that point, you know? Um, so, uh, they had a lot of great things. Personally, I think they, you know, played their one winning hand too long, which was the NWO hand. And, uh, so they made some mistakes, but they did some great things and they really forced us to, uh, you know, to offer up our best hand. Now they're sticking with a card blank theme. Uh, out of nowhere. So we had to, we had to put out our best cards every single week and it made us better. Yeah. And, and I mean, y'all, y'all were the superstars, you know, uh, and y'all were it. I mean, y'all, it's like WCW had a little run there and it was, I mean, it was a big run, but it was a little, isn't like a short run. Yeah. And man, I mean, the you know, in the end, it's like, the WWF or WWE, you know, is just the standard, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they'll still be there. Uh, it's good that they have some pressure on them now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I always hate to see talent released, but that is part of life. Um, and I know they release some guys. Ring of Honor released some guys. But they do. They feel the, they feel the pressure. They feel the pressure from AEW. And I think the nice um, lesson to be learned for those talent who have been released is to know that there is life after WWE, that the, uh, while the independent scene is really heating up people, uh, you know, after being indoors for a year and a half, they want to get out and support uh, uh, local wrestling and there's no shortage of great wrestlers. So I was on a card called game changer wrestling just to present the title, but the reaction I received was, it was just so incredible. You know, sometimes you probably know, um, 
you can be in front of 15,000 people one night and it's a good feeling. Then you're in front of three, 400 the next night and there's the magic in the air. And that by far is your favorite of the two shows. So I showed up in front of 1,200 people and they made me feel like I was in the middle of Madison Square Garden. It was great. Well, yeah, man. I mean, they they love you. We Everybody loves you. You know, <laughs> it's got to be a weird thing knowing that, you know. It's good. You know, not everybody loves me, but I'd say, um, yeah, I'd say I'm doing pretty good, you know, as far as just uh, people who have a positive feeling. What are you working on now besides the uh, – it's, it's the Nice Day Tour, right? Yeah, the Nice Day Tour. I'm always trying to make uh, sure, you know, that I'm putting new stories into the mix, kind of getting rid of old ones as they uh, outlive their expiration date. Uh, just try to make sure everyone has a great time when they come in. So – they can go to realmickfoley.com, go over to the events page, and you see what's coming up. I think I got about 20 different events going through uh, January. And then the other big thing for me is, especially uh, hitting in November in a couple days, is uh, my cameo videos. So uh, I don't brag about much. You haven't heard me brag about much, right? Oh, no. Since you know no. But I've got more five-star reviews than any wrestler or athlete on the planet by a lot. And I think if anyone goes on, I can check cameo.com slash Mick Foley. Look at a couple of the past videos and reviews and go like, oh, I get it. He tries a lot harder than most people on here. Most people are fine, you know, wishing you well, happy birthday, and boom, they're out of there. Mm -hmm. And that's what people expect. But I try to add a little something. I do a little singing myself. I can't sing, but dude, love can sing. Oh, it's not so if you you can't sing, learn to sing in character. <laughs> so while I can't hold the tune, dude can, and yeah. uh, he takes on the air of like a cheesy lounge singer. So he doesn't <laughs> sing happy. But you, you know what? Let me just uh, I'll just give you an example. I'll just uh, let me see if I can dude up for a second for you. I'm just going to turn this momentarily so you don't see the dude getting uh-huh. duded up. There you go. Oh, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Or even better is when I sing, oh, the dude is wishing you a happy birthday, just like the ones you used to know. When those presents are open, Here's this hip guy hoping you find a steel chair that you can throw. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. So there's uh, a <laughs> dude looking to make your season bright. But aside from those two things, um, I, I love going to these conventions. Uh, I really do like it. Uh, it's They're not for everybody. You're out there for six, eight hours a day, and it's not for everybody. But uh I really love it, and I hope I see some of you guys on the road. Again, go to realbigfoley.com, and you'll know when I'm coming to town. Good to see you, man. Good to talk to you again. Appreciate you hopping on here with us. Thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate it. And, and by the way, all- yeah, go ahead. I was going to go, may all your days be nice. You're going to go with have a nice day. Well, we, we, we ain't ended it yet. I, got a little, <laughs> I had a little something for you here. Okay, uh, yeah. I got a text one day from you that said whiskey gets me there is probably the saddest song ever or I've ever heard or something. Oh man. 
Yeah, and it's through the voice of experience, right? That 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 was like, holy crap! Really? <laughs> I mean, oh. I was like, I yeah. couldn't believe that. That's a good one. Makes me feel like drinking some whiskey right now, just yeah, to get a, there. That's a yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't get much lower. You don't, you can't get down in the dumps much more than that. No, it's a good one. It's really good. You should be proud of that and a lot of the stuff you've done. So I'll look forward to hearing from you, Andrew, and you uh, tell people where they can find me. And have a nice day. Have a nice day.